We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the fifth piece in Hilchos Psudah Amukdashin. This is Perak Yud Ches, Halacha Yud Beis. And this piece is less conceptual than Rab Chaim generally is. It's more technical. He wants to know why the Rambam holds that the wood of the Beis Hamikdash did not become Tameh, it didn't become impure. The Rambam writes, Adam Tahor Sha'achal Kazayas Mikodshim Shinitmu Loka. Someone who's Tahor, who eats meat of the carbon, which became Tameh, gets punished with lashes. The Torah says that any meat which becomes impure should not be eaten. So that's a violation of a Torah prohibition. The same is true for all of the other sacrifices. If someone eats from the Livona, the spices of the Mincha offering after they were already sanctified and then they became Tameh, so he eats that Tameh Livona, then he gets punished with lashes. So the Rambam extends the halacha that a person gets punished for eating Tameh carbon meat to also non-edible things like the Livona spices, which became Tameh. So now this halacha that the Livona can become Tameh and someone who then eats it gets punished, the Gemara in Psachim Chavdalid learns out from Veha Basar that the Torah includes Livona, the spices and the Eitzim, the wood, that even though they're not edible, if they become Tameh and someone eats them, then they get punished for that. So the Rambam got this halacha from that Gemara. But the problem is that the Rambam only quotes half of the halacha. He only quotes the part including the Livona. He doesn't quote the part including the wood. So Rab Chaim asks, why does the Rambam not hold that if someone eats Tameh wood from the Beis Mikdash, they still get punished? So at first, Rab Chaim suggests one approach. The Gemara in Chulin Lamid Vav derives from this that when it comes to sanctified food, they don't need Heksher in order to become Tameh. So generally, for a food to become Tameh, it needs to have liquid touch it first, and only afterwards it can become Tameh. But if liquid has never touched this food and it touches something Tameh, then it doesn't make it Tameh. But the exception to that rule is Chibas HaKodesh, things which are sanctified do not need liquid before they can become Tameh. As soon as they become sanctified, they're ready to become Tameh even without touching liquid. So the Gemara derives that from the fact that the Livona and the wood can both become Tameh. So if we're deriving the rule of Chibas HaKodesh from that Pasuk, then obviously it has the force of Torah law because it's derived from the Torah. So that would mean Chibas HaKodesh is the Oraisa. Now the Rambam in Hilchus Tumas Ochlin Perek Yud Zion rules that Chibas HaKodesh is only Drabanan. So it's a stringency of the rabbis that Hektish can become Tameh without liquid. But Mida Oraisa, even Hektish would require Hechsher. It needs to come in contact with liquid before it can become Tameh. So that means the Rambam rules like the Gemara in Psachim Lamed Hey, which disagrees with that Gemara in Chulun Lamed Vav. The Gemara in Psachim holds that Chibas HaKodesh is only Drabanan. And that's also the view of those who disagree with Reish Lakish in the Gemara and Chulin. So basically, the Rambam rules according to the other view that Chibas HaKodesh is only a Drabanan. So that means that according to the Rambam, the word in the Torah of Ahabasar is not including even things which didn't come into contact with liquid. It's not teaching us the halacha of Chibas HaKodesh. It's only teaching us that even things which are not food items are still included in the prohibition of eating them Tameh. So we're deriving a more limited halacha 
from that word vehabasar according to the Rambam's rulings. So it's also not going to include wood because wood is not something which ever gets tame. Non-sanctified wood can never become tame. So that's not included in the category of the habasar because since there's no way for it to become tamay, the fact that it's hektish doesn't change that. It still can't become tamay. And according to the Rambam, the word vahabasar does not teach that anything can become tamay when it's hektish. It only teaches that things that ordinarily could become tamay, there's a prohibition to eat them when they're tamay. So that's going to exclude wood. So according to Rab Chaim, that's why the Rambam omitted any mention about Tameh wood being included in this prohibition. But, says Rab Chaim, the obvious question with this approach is that Livona is the exact same thing. Spices also ordinarily, if they're not hectish, could never become Tameh. And that's what the Gemara Psachim says, that Eitzim and Livona lav ninhu. Both wood and Livona, neither of them can become Tameh. And the Rambam in Hochsi Surah Mizbeach, Paragvav Alachaches, also writes, V'cheino Eitzim Eitzim and Levona, even though they're not foods, so in general they cannot become Tamei, but when it comes to Hektish, they do become Tamei as if they're foods. That's the special halacha of the Torah of Chibas HaKodesh, that even things which are not foods and don't become Tamei outside of the Hektish environment, once they're made Hektish, we treat them like foods with regards to Tumah. The Yifsulu HaEitzim HaLevona B'Tumazulam Izbeach Ve'in son. So the wood and the levona become disqualified from use as a carbon on the Mizbeach once they become Tameh. So the Rambam is also saying clearly that in general, Eitzim and levona have the same status. Neither of them has regular Toma. But once they become Hektish, then we apply the rule of Chibas HaKodesh. And in that case, they can become Tameh. So the Rambam holds there's a middle ground when it comes to Chibas HaKodesh. The rule that it doesn't need liquid in order to become Tameh, that's only dry. But there's another aspect to the concept of Chibas HaKodesh, which is that even non-edible items, which in general don't have any rules of Tumah associated with them, once they become hectish, so we treat them like foods and they can become Tameh. So that aspect of Chibas HaKodesh, the Rambam holds, is Da'oraisa. And that's the whole basis for the Halacha that Eitzim and Levona could have Tumah. So basically, according to the Rambam, the word Vehabasar in the Torah teaches us that even things which are not edible, so in general they don't have Tumah, if they're hectish, they have Tumah Mide Oraisa, but it does not teach us that food items which did not come into contact with liquids could still become Tameh Mide Oraisa, that's only a rabbinic addition to this halacha. So that's the way the Rambam divides it. But if that's the case, then we're back to our original question, why doesn't the Rambam include wood of hectish that became Tameh in the prohibition of eating carbon meat that's Tameh. The same way he includes Livona in that prohibition, so Eitzim should also be included. So the Rambam should have said at the end of this halacha that someone who eats Tameh Livona or Tameh wood, in both cases he gets punished. So the fact that the Rambam omits Eitzim from this halacha means that he holds even though Mida Oraisa, both the Livona and the Eitzim can get a status of Tuma, but the prohibition of eating them only applies Mida Oraisa to Livona, not to Eitzim. 
So that's a question because the Gemara didn't seem to differentiate between them. So why does the Rambam drop Eitzim from this halacha? Now the Gemara in Zvachim on Memvav has a discussion whether the extension of this prohibition of eating Tamei meat to the Eitzim and Levona applies also to the punishment or only that it's prohibited Midoraisa, but there's no punishment. But either way, Rab Chaim points out, there's no distinction in that Gemara between Eitzim and Levona. Whatever applies to one applies to the other. So again, why does the Rambam differentiate between them when the way the Gemara discusses this in a few places does not differentiate at all between Eitzim and Levona? So in order to answer this question, Rab Chaim is going to go on a bit of a tangent right now, and he's going to explain at some length the statement in the Gemara in Zvachim Lamid Dalid. The Gemara records a debate there between Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan whether someone Tameh who eats the carbon meat before the blood was sprinkled. So they were not allowed to eat that meat, not only because they're Tameh, but also because in the rules of the carbon you can't eat the meat before the blood is sprinkled. So there's a debate whether that person gets punished. Now there's a debate about the original debate. So Abayah says that the only time they're arguing is when the person himself is Tameh. But if the meat is Tameh before it was sprinkled, then everyone agrees that he would get punished because the Torah says, basar, and that word includes even wood and spices. So if even the wood and the spices, which are not edible, a person gets punished for eating them, then certainly they get punished for eating the meat before before the blood was sprinkled. So that's Abaya's view, and he says that the case of the wood and the spices is the equivalent of the meat before it was sprinkled. In both cases, they're not really fit for consumption, but if they're tummy, the person still gets punished because it's included in the word vehabasar. Now, Rava says the other way. He says that the whole debate is only when the person himself is tummy. But when the meat is tummy, so then the person definitely does not get punished. Everyone agrees that there's no punishment because because since it's not included in the case of the Torah, the Torah is only talking about the meat after it was sprinkled, so it doesn't matter that this meat is Tameh, since it's anyways not fit for consumption, it's not part of the whole prohibition of the Torah, and it's not included in Vahabasar. So the Gemara asks, well, what about the case of Eitzim and Levona? Here we have spices and wood, which are not fit for consumption either, and still the Torah included them in the prohibition of Vahabasar. So how does Rava respond to Abaya's argument that that's the parallel of the meat before the zrika. So the Gemara says that Rava answered, We're talking about where the wood and the spices were sanctified in the vessels of the Besam Mikdash. They were sanctified. So after that point, it's the equivalent of the meat once it's been fully processed. So Rava says that Abaya's parallel is not correct. The wood and the spices are not similar to the meat before the zrika because both of them shouldn't be eaten, but rather the wood and the spices after they're sanctified in the vessel of the Beis HaMikdash are the equivalent of the meat after it's been processed. So that's the debate between Abaya and Rava. Now, the context for this debate, Rab Chaim explains, is the Gemara in Menachos, Dav where the Gemara says that there's no kares for someone tame that eats meat unless it would have been permitted to someone tahor. So the only problem in this situation can be that the person eating it is tame. And this is based on the Pasuk. It says, Kol tahor yochal tochal alav. It says anyone tahor can eat the meat, but anyone tame who eats it is going to get kares. So that means it must be a case where the meat was allowed to be eaten. Otherwise, there's not going to be a punishment for eating it when the person is tame. So that 
that means the meat before the zrika, where it's not allowed to be eaten by anyone, even someone tahor. So if someone tame eats it, they're not included in this prohibition of the Torah. Now, Abaya and Rava are debating whether we can derive when the meat itself is tame from the case where the person eating it is tame. So according to Rava, it's the same thing. Since the meat is tame, it's not included in the prohibition of the Torah because someone tahor shouldn't be eating it. Whereas Abaya is trying to argue that this is an exception, that even though someone tahor can't eat it, it's still included in the prohibition of the Torah. And he argues this because he compares it to Eitzim and Levona. But this seems like a difficult comparison because Eitzim and Levona are not prohibited to someone tahor to eat. It's just that they're not fit for eating in general, they're not foods. So how can you compare the basar tame, which is prohibited to someone tahor, to etzim and levona, which are not prohibited, they're just inedible. So Rab Chaim says that Rashi seems to explain that the Gemara holds these two categories, ein roi lachila, something inedible, is the same as something which is prohibited. So that's why the etzim and levona are equivalent of the basar tame. But according to this, the problem comes on the other end now. Because then the Gemara asks, what does Rava do with the case of Eitzim and Levona? And the Gemara answers that after they're sanctified, it's the same as the carbon meat after it's processed. But if we're saying that something inedible is equivalent to something prohibited, so what changed once the Eitzim and Levona are sanctified? They're still inedible. They're still not foods. So why is Rava now saying that they're the equivalent of the meat of the carbon when it can be eaten? How did that equation change? If the Gemara originally assumed that something inedible is the equivalent of something prohibited, so what changed once Rava said that they're sanctified? So now we don't understand the step at the end of the Gemara where Rava responds to Abaya's parallel because according to the way Rashi set it up, it's unclear what changed at that point. So Rab Chaim explains the back and forth by adding in another factor, which is anything which is sacrificed on the Mizbeach is included in this prohibition because the Torah says Asher Yikrab. So anything which is going to be sacrificed is prohibited to be eaten when it's tummy. So now what the Gemara originally meant to say is that something inedible is the equivalent of something prohibited, with the one exception of something which is going to be sacrificed, which is still prohibited even if it's inedible because it's included in the words Asher Yikrav. So the Gemara originally assumed that the Eitzim and Levona were not sanctified, so they're not included in Asher Yikrav. So why should it be prohibited to eat them? So it must be like Abaya that even though they're not fit to be eaten, which is the equivalent of the Basar Tameh, which is prohibited to be eaten, but in both of those cases, they're included in the prohibition of the Torah. So that's the way Abaya interpreted it. Rava responded that no, this is talking about a case where the Eitzim and Levona were sanctified. So even though they're inedible, which would ordinarily mean they're the equivalent of the Basar Tameh before Zrika, but since they're going to be sacrificed, they're included in Asher Yikrav, and that's why it's prohibited to eat them. But we can't extrapolate from that case to the Basar Tameh before Zrika. So that's the way to understand the back and forth here in this Gemara. But now this still raises yet another question, because according to Abaya, the 
the original perspective of the Gemara that we're dealing with Eitzim and Levona before they're sanctified in the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash. So how could there have been any possibility whatsoever that these are included in the prohibition of the Torah of the Habasar when it's very clear in Halacha that the Eitzim and Levona before they're sanctified are not included in this prohibition. The Mishnah in Me'ila Daf Yud says that the Komates, the Levona, and the Ktores there is me'ila, meaning it's prohibited to use them once they're sanctified. Once they're sanctified in the vessels, so so then they're able to become tame. And that's when it's prohibited to eat them after their time span or if they're tame. So the Mishnah says very clearly that the whole halacha of being prohibited to eat tame levona only kicks in after it's sanctified. But before it's sanctified, it's clearly not included in the prohibition of the Torah, the Habasar. And that makes perfect sense because before it's sanctified, it's only Kedushas Damim. It belongs to the Beis HaMikdash to be used for a Karban, but it doesn't have any Kedushas HaGuf. There's no inherent sanctity to this random spice that's sitting around the Beis HaMikdash until it's sanctified. So of course the random spice is not going to be included in the Habasar, in the prohibition of the Torah of eating it Tameh, until it's sanctified. So what was even the possibility of the Gemara originally that this Eitzim and Levona, before they're sanctified, are still included in the Habasar? So now we understand the answer of Rava, that once the Eitzim and Levona are sanctified, they're included in the Habasar, but we don't understand the original thought of the Gemara, the way Abaya says it, that even before they're sanctified, they're included in the Habasar. So Rab Chaim explains this based on the Gemara in Sota Yudalid, where it describes the order of the mincha, how to process the carbon mincha of flour. So it says that the person puts it into the clay shares, the vessel of the Beis HaMikdash, and then the Kohen takes it, and then he scoops from it, and then he puts it into another vessel of the Beis HaMikdash, so a second time it goes into a second vessel, and then he gathers it up and puts it on the Mizbeach. So the Gemara asks, why does the mincha need to be sanctified twice? There are two different vessels that this mincha goes into and gets sanctified. So the Gemara compares it to the blood, that the blood of the carbon is also sanctified twice. First, when the Kohen slaughters it, so the knife sanctifies it, and then when he collects it in the vessel of the Beis HaMikdash. So basically, there's an idea that the flour and the levona of the mincha need to be sanctified two times. Now, the Gemara in Zvachim on Pegimol infers from the Mishnah that something which is not fit to be put on the Mizbeach doesn't get sanctified by the Mizbeach. So Rav Papa explains that that's talking about flour which was not sanctified in the vessel, and Tosfos explains that what he means is the second vessel. So even though it was sanctified by the first vessel, if it goes onto the Mizbeach before being sanctified in the second vessel, so it's considered unfit for the Mizbeach and it's not sanctified. Now the Rambam earlier in Ptuli HaMukdashim at Tess Zion Zion rules that Pigol, when the Kohen has improper thoughts about the service, only disqualifies the Kometz, the flower, and the Levona when it's done at a time that's a necessary service, including one of the examples is when it's put into the vessel of the Beis HaMikdash. So basically the Rambam is equating the flower and the Levona, and just like the flower requires being 
being sanctified in the two vessels in order to be sacrificed. If it's only sanctified in one vessel, it has to come off of the Mizbeach. So the same would be true of the Levona. It's not fully sanctified unless it's sanctified both times. So now, applying this back to the Gemara in Zvachim Lamedalid, Rab Chaim explains that of course the case is where the Eitzim and the Levona were sanctified. Before the Eitzim and Levona are sanctified, there's nothing to talk about, and of course nobody's going to hold that they're included in the prohibition of the Habasa. That's clear from the Mishnah in Me'ilah. But the case over there is talking about originally where the Eitzim and Levona were sanctified in one vessel. So they do have Kedusha Saguf, they have been sanctified. They're no longer just the property of the Beis HaMikdash. They now have inherent sanctity. But on the other hand, they're not fit for the Mizbeach. You cannot use this as a sacrifice because it hasn't been sanctified the second time. So now Abaya's view is that since this is sanctified, even though it's unfit for the Mizbeach, it's still included in the prohibition of the Habasar. Now that's not because of Asher Yikrav. It's not because it's going to be sacrificed because this is not fit to be sacrificed. It hasn't been sanctified a second time. So the only reason it could be included in Vahabasar is because even though it's not fit to be eaten, that's still included in the prohibition of Vahabasar. So the same would be true of the Basar Tameh before Zrika, even though it cannot be eaten, it's still included in Vahabasar. That was Abaya's formulation. Rava responded that no, the case of Eitzim and Levona is not where it was sanctified one time, it's where it was sanctified two times. So it actually is fit for the Mizbeach. So in that case, the reason why the Eitzim and Levona are prohibited is because of Asher Yikrav, even though they're inedible, so they would be in general like the Basar Tameh before Zrika, but in this case, they're fit for a sacrifice, so there's a special exception that includes them in the Habasar. But we can't derive from there to the Basar Tameh before Zrika. So that's the way Rab Chaim makes sense of this debate between Abaya and Rava. They're not debating the case of Eitzim and Levona that weren't sanctified at all. That's clear that it's not prohibited because of the Habasar. They're debating what is the case of Eitzim and Levona, which are included in the Torah prohibition of the Habasar. According to Abayah, it's talking about when it was sanctified one time. So there is sanctity, but it's not fit for the Mizbeach. According to Rav, it's talking about where it was sanctified two times, so it is fit for the Mizbeach. But now in the fourth paragraph, Rab Chaim questions his whole theory because he quotes that there's a Rashi that seems to say that when it comes to the Levona, there are not two sanctifications, there's only one. This is in the Gemara in Menachos Tes Zion. There's a Mishnah there that records a debate between Reb Meir and the Rabbanan. If the Kohen did Pigal, so he had the improper thoughts during only half of the service of the Mincha. So while he was burning the flower, he had improper thoughts, but but not while burning the Lavona, or the other way, while burning the Lavona, but not while burning the flower. So Reb Meir holds that it's Pigol. The Rabbanon hold it's not Pigol until he has the improper thoughts for all of the service. But if he only has it for half of it, then that's not enough to make it Pigol. So the Gemara quotes a Brisa, which says that at the earlier stages of the Mincha, when he's scooping it, or when he's putting in the vessel, or when he's walking it, at those stages, any improper thoughts are going to make it Pigol. The only debate is when he's burning the flour and the levona. So there, there's a debate between Reb Meir and Rabbanan if he has improper thoughts only for half of the burning, whether that makes the whole thing pigal or not. But in the earlier steps of the process, any improper thought is going to be pigal. 
So Rashi explains what's the difference between the earlier steps versus the last step of burning it. Rashi says that at the earlier steps, there's only one item that's being used, which is the flour. He's not using the Livona at all. So that's why there's no debate because since the only item which is being scooped and put into the vessel and being walked is only the flour, so of course if he thinks the wrong thing, it makes the whole thing pigle. There's only one thing that he's working with. It's only when it comes to the burning that there's now two items. There's the flour and the Livona. So there, there could be a debate if he has the wrong ideas for one but not the other. So Rashi seems to say very clearly that the second vessel after it's scooped is only the flour, not the Livona. So that means according to Rashi, there are not two sanctifications of the Livona. The first time they're put in a vessel includes both the flour and the Livona. But the second time after he scoops the flour includes only the flour, not Livona. So this goes against Rab Chaim's whole approach that he's been developing, which was based on the fact that the Rambam equates the Livona and the flour. So it sounds like the Livona also needs two sanctifications. But this Rashi and Menachos now seems to say clearly that the Livona only gets one sanctification. So of course that undermines Rab Chaim's explanation of the Gemara and Zavachim that it's based on the idea that the Eitzim and the Livona need two sanctifications. According to Rashi, it seems that the Eitzim and the Livona only need one sanctification. So Rab Chaim argues that even Rashi agrees that the Livona has to be sanctified two times. So his original approach is correct. And here he does give somewhat of a conceptual formulation. He says that Rashi means that the putting of the Livona in the second Klesharis is not considered Kabbalah. It's not considered the service of the vessel accepting the Livona in the Beis HaMikdash, the way it's considered a service of accepting the flower in the vessel. So Rashi is differentiating on a theoretical level that there's a different halachic status to putting the flower into the second vessel versus putting the Livona into the second vessel. But on a practical level, Rashi does agree that the Livona does need to be put into the second vessel as well. So Rashi's perspective in Menachos is specifically on the issue of whether it's considered a half a pigol, because he's commenting on the debate between Reb Meir and the Rabbanan in a case where the Kohen had the wrong thoughts for only half of the service that he was doing. So in that regard, Rashi says that since putting the Livona in the second vessel is not considered Kabbalah, it doesn't have the halachic status of the vessel accepting the Livona, as opposed to the second vessel accepting the flower, which does have a halachic status of Kabbalah because there's a need for kamitza, the Kohen has to scoop it up and then put it into the second vessel. So the flour is very integral to the whole process of the karban. So that's why the Chachamim agree that at that step, if the Kohen has the wrong thoughts on the flour, that makes the whole thing pigol, and it doesn't matter that practically he's putting the Livona in there because it has a lesser status. But that's what Rashi means in that Gemara, in terms of whether the pigol on the flour is going to make the whole thing pigol. But Rashi's not saying that the Livona doesn't also go into the second vessel. Of course, Rashi's also going to agree that on a practical level, the Livona needs to be in that vessel, 
because the Gemara in Sota, which discussed the need to put the flour in the two vessels, uses the Pasuk in the Torah, the Eskol HaLevona, which is a reference to the Levona. So it seems very clear from the discussion in the Gemara that just like the flour needs to be in two vessels, the Levona also needs to be in two vessels. So that's how Rab Chaim squares the comment of Rashi, which seems to indicate that the Levona only goes into one vessel, but Rab Chaim explains that that's just from a specific perspective of that sugya in Menachos, but practically the Levona does need to go into two vessels, like the simple inference from the Gemara in Sota. And in the brackets, Rab Chaim adds that when the Torah included the Levona as part of the Mincha with the flour, it can't mean that they have to be burned together, because the Gemara in Menachos Yud Gimel says explicitly that you could offer either one of them first. So it must be like the Gemara in Sota is saying that they both have to be sanctified together. So this reinforces the way the Gemara interprets that Pasuk, which is integral to Rab Chaim's whole discussion, that the Levona, like the flower, needs to be sanctified in two vessels. So now basically we have two different criteria. Rashi and Menachos says that the Levona only has one Kabbalah, but the Gemara in Sota says that it needs to be sanctified two times in order to be fit for the Mizbeach. So now coming back to the Gemara in Zvach and Lamedalid, Rab Chaim says that the criteria in that Gemara is going to be along the lines of the Gemara in Sota, because the Gemara in Zvachim is talking about whether the Levona is included in the prohibition of the Habasar. So it doesn't matter how many Kabbalahs it has, what matters is whether it was sanctified that it's fit for the Mizbeach. Then it's included in Asher Yikrav. So that's why Rab Chaim's explanation of that Gemara, that it's referring to a case where the Levona was sanctified once, but not a second time, fits in very nicely because since it's not fit for the Mizbeach, so it's not included in Asher Yikrav, and that's why Abai and Rav are debating whether it's included in Vahabasar. So this whole approach of Rab Chaim is very nice and it makes sense of the Gemara's discussion in Zvachim. But there's still a problem because the Gemara asks not only from Levona, it asks also from Eitzim. Now there's no second sanctification for the Eitzim. They're only sanctified one time. So if the whole premise of the question is that the Levona is between the two sanctifications, why does the Gemara ask on Rava also from Eitzim when there is no second sanctification? So that question doesn't seem to fit at all. So now in the last paragraph, Rab Chaim turns to explain what is the Gemara talking about when it refers to Eitzim. So there's a debate between Rebbe and the Rabbanan in the case where someone sanctifies the wood itself what does that mean? According to the Rabbanan, there is no such thing as a carbon of wood. So if someone donates wood, they mean the wood which is going to be used to burn the Mizbeach, to light the fire for the Mizbeach for other sacrifices. Whereas according to Rebbe, there is a sacrifice which consists only of wood itself, and that wood needs to be treated like any other sanctified item. So it's going to be scooped, it's going to be sanctified in the vessels. According to Rebbe, there is a case where wood itself is the item of the carbon, not just being burned in the Mizbeach in order to create a fire. So if the Gemara, when it refers to Eitzim, is referring to this wood sacrifice of Rebbe, then that makes sense because that actually does follow the same process of the Levona. It needs to be sanctified in the two vessels. So the question would be fine both from the Eitzim and the Levona. So that's a possible way to understand this Gemara that when it says 
Eitzim, it's not referring to the wood which is burned on the Mizbeach to create a fire, but it's referring to the Korban Eitzim, the sacrifice of wood of Rebbe, which is the equivalent of the Levona. But says Rab Chaim, how do we know that the Gemara is talking about the Korban Eitzim of Rebbe, and it's not just talking about all the rest of the normal wood that they used to burn on the Mizbeach in order to create a fire? Says Rab Chaim, it must be that the regular wood which is used to light the fire on the Mizbeach, everybody agrees, it's obvious to the Gemara that that's not included in the prohibition of the Habasar. Nobody would hold that if that wood becomes Tameh and someone eats it, they violated a Torah prohibition. Even though that wood is Kedushas HaGuf, it's inherently sanctified. So the issue is not that it's missing the sanctity, it has the sanctity, but it's still not included in that prohibition because the prohibition is only talking about an actual sacrifice. It's not talking about pieces of wood which are used in in order to burn the sacrifices. So it's clear to the Gemara that the prohibition of the Habasar is only referring to the meat of sacrifices, which ordinarily could be eaten, but in this case became Tameh, but it's not talking about the things that burn the fire on the Mizbeach. And says Rab Chaim, this makes sense, because the whole discussion surrounding that Halacha is about whether the meat would have been fit to be eaten, whether it's allowed to be eaten, whether it's Tahor. So those are all categories which are relevant to the actual sacrifice, but they're in no way relevant to the firewood of the Mizbeach, which is obviously never supposed to be eaten. There's no case where anyone is supposed to sit down and eat firewood from the Mizbeach. So all the categories of discussion in this halacha about whether it could have been eaten theoretically are irrelevant to the firewood. So it makes sense that it's clear that the firewood is not included in the prohibition of the Habasar. So basically the general assumption is that the prohibition of the Habasar refers to the carbon meat, to things which are sacrificed on the Mizbeach. And then the Gemara expands that prohibition to also include other things which are sacrificed on the Mizbeach. So it doesn't include the broad category of anything sanctified with Kedushas HaGuf, which again would include the firewood. It only includes non-edible sacrifices which are burned on the Mizbeach. So of course, Levona is one of those. But the case of Eitzim now could only refer to the Karban Eitzim, the actual sacrifice of Eitzim. So this source only makes sense according to Rebbe that there is such a thing as a Karban Eitzim. According to the Rabbanan, that there's no carbon eitzim, so of course there is no case where the wood is going to be considered a carbon and be included in the prohibition of the habasar. So now this makes perfect sense of the seeming contradiction between the Rambam and the Gemara. The Gemara is quoting that source which follows the view of Rebbe. So that's why it makes sense for the Gemara to ask from there on Rava, because since according to Rebbe, there is a case of wood which is offered as a sacrifice. So it needs to be sanctified to two times, so we could ask the exact same question. Once it was sanctified once, it has Kedushas HaGuf, but it's not fit for the Mizbeach, and according to Rebbe, it's still included in the prohibition of the HaBasar. So that should be the equivalent of Basar Tameh as well. So the Gemara is asking from Rebbe's view onto Rava. But the Rambam rules practically like the Rabbanan, that there is no such thing as a carbon of wood. So in general, in the Beis HaMikdash, the wood is totally removed from being a carbon. So it's not included at all in the prohibition of the Habasar. So that's why when the Rambam records this halacha, he follows his internal ruling like the Rabbanan, that the only prohibition of the Habasar, of eating something tame, applies to the 
Lavona, which is a carbon, but it does not apply to the case of Eitzim. So that answers why the Rambam deviated from the phrase in the Gemara that Eitzim and Lavona are the same, whereas the Rambam rules that the whole prohibition only applies to Lavona. So that's Rab Chaim's approach to explain the Rambam. Again, there's not much conceptual material in here. It's a bit more practical. But basically, Rab Chaim's overall answer for the Rambam is that even though the Gemara seems to imply that the prohibition of a Habasar, eating something Tameh, applies both to Levona and Eitzim, the Rambam understands that the only case where it would be prohibited is where those objects have been sanctified and are fit for the Mizbeach. And since, according to the Rabbanan, who the Rambam follows, there is no case where the Eitzim themselves are the Korban, so according to the Rambam, the Halacha can only apply to Levona, not to Eitzim.